I'm Kylie O'Miller, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson. Courier, Kylie O'Miller showing off those shifty skills. Driver driving hard down the alley, and he scores. What a goal from Josh Bird. Kayla Trainer fires to score. Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk on the Lacrosse Playground Podcast Network, your go-to podcast for interviews with professional players, coaches, and executives, as well as the latest news and analysis from all three professional lacrosse leagues. Now, here's your host, Adam Moore. Welcome to another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk. I'm your host, Adam Moore. So excited to talk a little lacrosse with you this week. We had an action-packed week, whether it's the AU, the NLL, PLL playoffs coming up, NLL signings. The biggest of all of them uh, was Dane Doby, the former NLL MVP after 13 years with the Calgary Roughnecks signed with the San Diego Seals on a one-year deal. So massive move for the San Diego Seals going in uh, to next season. Really, really excited uh, to see what Dane Doby can bring to that offense going forward. Another couple signings, um, the Albany Firewolves added Adrian Sorichetti to a two-year deal, as well as fan favorite of LAX Twitter, Garrett Thule, uh on a two-year deal. Thule last played with the Wings in 2014. So excited to see uh, Garrett back on our roster. Um, really excited to see what those Firewolves uh, can do um, in their first year in Albany. Uh, a couple re-signings as well to note. Stephen Keough uh, is headed back to the Thunderbirds, as well as Christian Del Bianco, goalie for the Roughnecks, heading back to Calgary. So um, a lot of moves going on in the NLL right now, in the NLL offseason another big night coming up for the league will be august 28th um the nll entry draft will be right around the corner on that date pretty crazy to think um that we already have another nll draft coming up when uh last year's draftees weren't even able to uh actually hit the floor yet so uh this coming season we'll have uh two years worth of draftees hitting the floor for the first time in the nll so really excited uh to see uh newcomers um coming into the league this year and really really excited for for this nll season uh to start come december we'll obviously have tons of coverage uh coming up over the coming months um before the year starts for the nll the league year starts um but so keep to lpg and plt for more news regarding the nll uh, but let's hop to some leagues that were in action uh including uh, athletes unlimited it was an absolutely massive week for athletes unlimited week four of five so one more week um for uh, the athletes uh, to make sure they can jump up the leaderboards. Um, so tons of really awesome action took place uh, this past weekend. We had the four captains were Dempsey Arsenault, Kayla Wood, Taylor Cummings, and Katie Glynn. Unfortunately, Dempsey wasn't able to play due to an undisclosed injury, and she'll unfortunately uh, be out for week five as well. Uh, doesn't sound like Haley uh, Majorona will be able to compete uh, in week five either. She was uh, out due to injury during week four as well. Um, but really, really competitive battles in this week four. Uh, tons of fantastic moments uh, occurred, including um, one of Nicole Levy's goals, making it on to SportsCenter at number eight on Saturday, which was super exciting, one of Friday night's games. Um, so we had 
pretty much it all. We had uh, a goal from almost uh, the draw circle by Michelle Tumalo. We had two-point goals um, by Amanda Johansson. I can absolutely confirm that she is back. It was a pretty awesome weekend um, in the AU heading down uh, to the final stretch. And uh, another player that's continually crushing it uh, in the AU is Kylie Olmiller. I was able to chat with her a little bit uh, about how the season's going uh, and what she's looking forward to. I'm joined today by returning guest, actually our first ever guest on Pro Lacrosse Talk, Kylie Olmiller. She's a former Tawartan finalist, member of Team USA, and now one of the stars in the first season of Athletes Unlimited Lacrosse. She'll be a captain for the third time in the league's final weekend, and she's in the running for that individual championship. So Kylie, welcome back to the show. How's it going? Good. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a while, so I'm pumped to be back. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's dive right into this AU season. It's been a blast watching all compete over the last four weeks. Um, some of the best, most competitive lacrosse and exciting lacrosse we've really seen at the pro level. 12 of your guys' first 19 games were uh, decided by two points or less, which is pretty pretty awesome. So super competitive. Obviously, we're loving it, but talk from a player's perspective how much fun this format's been for you. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I, each and every time out there is just a battle. Um, and I think we kind of knew that coming into it. We didn't really know how much um, you know, what to really expect because we'd never played sure. a season like this before. Um, so I know a lot of us, us had like a bunch of just like, all right, we'll see how it goes kind of feelings when we yeah. came into it. But, you know, now that we've been here for four weeks, we're going on the last week, it's kind of flown by a little bit. Um, it has been really incredible because you're on a team with different teammates each and every week or some of the same, some different people you might've played with or against in college, people you might not have even ever met before. Yeah. Um, and by the end of the weekend, you feel like you've been teammates forever. So um, it's a, it's a really unique experience. Um, and in that sense of what you were talking about too, it's, it's just really competitive, really fast, really physical lacrosse. And, um, also just not being out there for a real long time because of COVID it's, yeah. it's been a really incredible four weeks. Yeah, that's super exciting. And you no, know, you, you mentioned the fast pace. We, we love this new rules that the players council uh, has really put in p- place, you know, between faster shot clock no shooting space, the two-point goals that are firing up now, you know, it's been a blast to watch. Have you had to alter your game at all, you know, since week one to kind of fit this new rule set? Definitely. I think, you know, going into week one again, like it had been a long time for us playing at that level Mm -hmm. as well. So even just like getting back into the swing of things was at least for me personally, um, I took that first weekend to do so, but like you said too, there's a bunch of different rules. There's a bunch of different, um, you know, the physicality is at a completely different level than um, what might've been in college or even at the international level, the, mm-hmm. the rules are a little bit more laxed and um, you know, people are just uh, kind of going after each other a little bit yeah. and it's, and it's great um, because it's making for really, you know, fast and physical across, like you said. And um, I think in adjustments sense of the word, I'm an attacker. So, um, you know, we're playing against a couple more like packed in type zone defenses. Yeah. Um, even a lot of man to man defenses aren't too much. Don't, you know, provide too much ball pressure, mm-hmm. um, which is, very different from what I saw in college. You know, I, I saw a lot, a lot of pressure. Um, so having that kind of sunken back, um, more packed in type of defense has allowed for some more outside shots, has allowed for, like you said, those two point attempts and goals that we're seeing a bunch of because there are some incredible shooters here. Um, but yeah, just being able to um, kind of finish in traffic and and dodge and get your hands free when there yeah. are no sorts of like little checks or little like foul calls being actually called. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are some of the biggest differences for sure that we've been getting used to. 
Sure. And you mentioned that physicality. You've taken your fair share of tumbles this year on ridiculous goals like BTBs and, and dives. So how has, uh, you know, the recovery been playing so many games in a weekend and over a couple week period? Yeah, um, definitely not something we've done since probably like youth travel across, yeah. right? Like when you used to play like five games in a weekend. Um, but again, to our point, like it, it, it was never that physical. It was never that fast. It was yeah. never at this level. So Definitely something the body is not used to, um, but we're, we've got incredible trainers, physical therapists, doctors here that have been taking care of us and, um, you know, knock on wood, we've only had a couple injuries, but, um, you know, just hoping to get through week five safe and sound and um, after that rest up a little bit, but it's been, it's been a real physical couple weeks, but in the best way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk kind of in between games. You know, you're playing a lot of games, but there, there's some downtime. Our listeners were curious, you know, what goes on when you're not on the field, right? You guys are together for over a month. It seems like you guys are having a blast, but what, what's that been like for you? Um, yeah, we definitely are having a blast. I know some of us, you know, we, we have jobs and we have different, you know, responsibilities outside of it, obviously. So sure. um, most of the time, you know, we, we have a morning practice, which is usually an hour, hour and a half, um, closer to an hour these days now that we're in week <laughs> five. But um, you know, I think after practice, everyone kind of goes their separate ways, does what they need to do. And then later on in the day, we either have things that are set up by athletes unlimited. Um, you know, they do a really incredible job at making sure that we have, you know, different guest speakers or workshops or even activities. Like they took us to top golf last night, like, nice. um, you know, things along those lines that keep us entertained and keep us having fun. Um, and then on the other hand, you know, you have your, you have your groups of friends, you have your people that you're trying to get to know, and we go get food all the time. We go again, hang out at top golf. We go, um, you know, out shopping and all these different things. So it's been a really great and unique opportunity to meet people and also get to really connect with people that might've been teammates before, but you only ever get like a half of a weekend with every once in a while. Now yeah. you're literally in a hotel with for five weeks. Um, you're really kind of creating those connect connections. Yeah. When we had Marie McCool on a couple of weeks ago, she was like, it's almost like college being in dorms yeah. again. Right. Exactly. Nice. Um, well, speaking of, uh, um, you know, playing on the field and whatnot, Hutton couldn't join us today, but he did have one question. You've been tucking your jersey in all season and obviously tucked Caraway with in the PLL with Jake's been crushing it. You've been, obvi it's obviously working for you. Where, where, where did that idea come from? Um, you know, what's funny is like, there's no real reason behind yeah. it other than the fact that it looks better on me. Sure. Um, in my opinion, like it just, I'm shorter. So like the long Jersey fits yeah. me up top, but it's just too long on top <laughs> of my skirt. So I tucked it in. And then I kind of just went with it. Um, I actually had a fan, a mom, like in the stands, um, like a couple games ago that was like, hey, they on the broadcast, they were saying that like you wear your jersey tucked in so that defenders don't pull on it. Is that true? And I was like, I'm going to go with that. Like, yeah, let's, sure, just, right? let's just go with that for sure. But um, yeah, that comparison to Jake Carraway was uh, actually had me laughing. That was funny. And he ended up commenting on one of my Instagram posts and he was like, team tucked. And I was like, look, we're just making friends by yeah. tucking our jersey in. Um, it's so funny. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's awesome. <laughs> Um, well, let's kind of dive into uh, this week, you know, and, and kind of just the, the, the play as captain, right? Um, you've been, this will be your third week as captain. Your squads have been really crushing it, honestly, when, when, when you're at the captaincy. So why do you think uh, you've had so much success with your squads when you've been captain? Yeah, um, you know, captain is a lot of, it's a lot of responsibility because you kind of like we have facilitators um, mm -hmm. who, you know, kind of act as almost like a step step in coach in sure. a sense. Um, and they take on a little bit of the responsibility in that, but technically as captain, you know, you decide 
you know, what we're wearing to practice, when practice is, what the practice plan looks okay. like, who the starting lineup is, when to sub out, if we're subbing goalies, like things that most of the time a coach on the sideline would worry about. And just as a player, you're kind of just in your own zone. Sure. Um, so in a sense of responsibility, that's definitely been something to adjust to. Um, but I think, you know, on to go with your question, I think, um, you know, the reason the teams that I've been on have been so successful is, and it sounds really cliche, but we've just been having a ton of fun with it. Um, any teams that I've kind of seen that are taking it a little bit too seriously, it's, it almost like goes, goes back against them a little mm. bit. So um, I try to keep it light. I try to keep it, make sure that we are focusing on each other's strengths. Um, that's something as well. Like everybody has incredible talent in one way or another. And if we can play off of that um, and we can just bounce off of that for each other, then it's going to be uh, a great kind of team win, a great kind of team weekend. So just keeping the energy high, keeping the spirits high, um, celebrating the little things is something I'm big on too. Um, and again, just kind of remembering like big picture where we weren't able to play lacrosse for about two years. Yeah. Um, and now we're out here doing it on a really big stage and with some of the most incredible people out there, like we should really, really be celebrating the little things every chance that we get. So, um, yeah, that's just where I've been at with my, any chance that I get into a huddle with my, with my team's. Yeah, I think that's a that is that's advice we all could use now is to, to take um, solace in those, those little things, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. So, um, but speaking of, of this week, um, yes, you, your final draft, right? You picked your girl Allie Kennedy with the the first <laughs> overall pick. You're you're back uh, with a Seawolf. So, talk about kind of your your process uh, of going through this final week, right? We Hutton and I were, were on the last pod. We're like curious: is there any gamesmanship? You know. The, the picking someone maybe a little bit higher lower than you in the seed just to make sure that um you know <laughs> you, you you get to that potential individual championship what kind of what really went into your strategy for for picking this week yeah this week um you know I really just wanted people that I wanted to surround myself with um which could honestly be the entire league at this sure. point so I really didn't stress too much about it but um you know that's why I picked Allie first um you know she's my people she always has been we got to play together at Stony Brook and you know being able to be the only people two people here that are representing Stony Brook is something really special. Um, so I, I got to play with her one, one week, the first yep. week and, you know, being able to bring that back, I needed the opportunity to do it. So um, just trying to go out with a bang like that and, um, you know, be around people that I want to be around and um, just have a good time with this last week. Right. Um, yeah. That was kind of my strategy going into it. I haven't really thought too much about the individual leaderboard. You know, I think that something that's really great about the, the league is that and we recognized this really quick after the first week because we didn't really understand how the, the leaderboard would go in the point sure. system and once we got through week one we realized how much those quarter wins and how yep. much those game wins really boost you um so it really does kind of tie into the team mentality and the winning mentality of what lacrosse is really about because you're going to go up in the leaderboard and you're going to ultimately be more successful even if there's no playoff bracket per sure. se if you are winning those quarters, if you are winning those games. So um, that's just always in the back of my, my mind. No, that makes complete sense. That's awesome. Well, we can't wait to, to see it out there um, for week five. So let's, let's go to our quick five and five. Uh, okay. You already were on one. So we switched up the questions a little bit for you. Um, but uh, from a on the field perspective, uh, number one, who's been a toughest player to face? It doesn't even have to be this year. It could be um, from a defensive perspective, maybe anyone in particular, you could say a couple. Ooh, um, at the U.S. level, I would say Alice Mercer um, okay. is always very, very tough for me to play against. And 
here at Athletes Unlimited, Kathy Rudkin has been giving me a tough run for my money. So glad, grateful she's on my team for <laughs> <laughs> uh, number two. Uh, where's been your favorite venue to play? It could be at Stony Brook or at the any anywhere. Um, I would have to say Kenneth Kielaval Stadium at Stony Brook University. Yeah. That is my home field that always will be. Um, just a really special place. Had a feeling that would be your answer. <laughs> uh, number three, funniest uh, teammate you've had in Athletes Unlimited thus far? Ooh, funniest. Everybody is so funny in their yeah. own way. Um, but I would say Hallie Majorana, Majorana's up there. Right. Um, she's just keeping people laughing all the time. And I would also say uh, Mira Shane. Her okay. energy is unmatched. Um, and the, some of the things that come out of her mouth, I'm like, that was in, so incredibly witty. I can't even <laughs> believe it. So um, definitely those two. Yeah, I've I loved seeing uh, Mira on social. And then she was Gosh, DJing yes. the other day, right? Go, going right out of the crease and, on the yeah, the twos, she's, right? and she's making stuff on behind the back shots. And, you know, she's on my team again yeah. or, or for this week. And I'm just excited to see her do her thing in the cage. I'm, I'm seeing a trend, right? I'm seeing a trend <laughs> who you picked. Uh, four, favorite memory off the field thus far this season? Oh, man. Yeah, there's probably um, a million. Yeah, no, it's it's great. It's actually, you know, it's funny. They just gave us yearbooks. They gave us everybody yearbooks. Very cool. I haven't looked through, through it yet. It's actually sitting right there, and I'm excited to look at it. But um, there have been so many moments, but I will say what's been really awesome is obviously since we're living here, a lot of us have our own dogs um, and they've been living here with us. Um, and there, I think there's like 16 dogs here. So wow. myself and Oakley, um, we almost every day, there's a little like courtyard in our hotel. Okay. Um, and right on the side, there's like what, what would have been like a putting green kind of but we turned it into a dog park pretty much. There we go. <laughs> and that's, that's where we have all the dogs kind of like run and get their zoomies out um, pretty nice. much every day. So yeah. Good stuff. Awesome. <laughs> uh, and then last uh, AU related question. Uh, if hopefully next year there's a AU video game, who's on the cover? Ooh, AU video game. Um, let's put Michelle Tumalo on there. All right. I feel Always like she could do some pretty sick, like Air Jordan kind of yes. like move that could do that could be the logo. So Good answer. Uh, yeah, that's put to me on there. There you go. Uh, and then off the field questions. This one's uh, sports related still. Who's uh, an athlete in another sport you're really enjoying watching right now? Haven't seen her compete in a while, but I do say this a lot. But Bethany Hamilton is one of my all time favorite athletes just for her story and her yep. kind of like perseverance and everything like that. And it's also a little bit outside the norm, um, yep. which I also enjoy. Good stuff. Uh, number two, special talent that maybe not a lot of people know about you anything in particular um I'm not gonna do it on this podcast okay. but I can talk with my mouth closed okay there you go <laughs> that probably wouldn't work too well over audio right uh, yeah exactly there you go <laughs> <laughs> uh number three if you could live anywhere in the world where would it be Ooh, um I always say that I would probably live in Denver at some point in my okay. life nice Number four, uh, if you could eat dinner with like a couple people dead or alive, who, who would your like two, three people be? Um, okay. These are going to be all over the place right now. That's a good thing. Miley Cyrus. Okay. <laughs> She's just, I just need to have a conversation yeah. with her. I think. Um, who else would it be? Probably Michael Jordan. Okay. Um, I'd want to get inside his brain and that's already I'll a stack. Yeah, I'll stick with those two for right okay. now. <laughs> that, that's I, I want to hear the conversation. Not obviously want to hear what you have to say too, but them two talking would be 
would be a pretty interesting conversation for sure <laughs> I think I think so like that could be its own podcast episode in itself there go. <laughs> uh, and then last off the field question um any tv shows podcasts or anything you'd recommend right now um tv shows I haven't gotten into Outer Banks season two yet but okay. I'm planning on it um I just watch new girl all the time so I need to like get into something new um and podcasts you can check out dream on with Kylie O'Miller that's a good one I was waiting for it I was going to plug that at the end so that's perfect timing (laughs) so uh well Kylie thanks so much for joining us today we really appreciate you hopping back on and uh good luck in week five we're rooting for you thank you so much for having me on again um and thanks so much for all the support Well, it was a pleasure talking to Kylie. Uh, She was our first guest, as I mentioned, uh, on PLT, and we're lucky to have her back on for another week. So really excited uh, to see what her squad uh, can do uh, in the final weekend of AU action. For reference, the captains uh, for week five will be Taylor Cummings, uh, Kaylee Waters, and Katie Glenn. So for the first time in league history, we had two goalies uh, become captains for a week. So really exciting. This league and the player format and the points format has been phenomenal. As you can see, any position, whether it's defense, offense, goalie, uh, have the strong capabilities uh, of making a run for that individual title. Um, And as Kylie said, it's not just focused on the individual, right? Um, Tons of opportunities. And a lot of the points are coming from those quarter wins, um, those uh, game wins. So they they're really building their teams to make sure they're competitive. And obviously with how fantastic all the athletes and athletes unlimited are, uh, they're going to be competitive games. Um, So really, really looking forward uh, to this final weekend of the AU. Um, I'll actually be there uh, on Sunday for when a champion is crowned. So excited uh, to get out to Boyd's Maryland uh, and see some uh, professional lacrosse in person for the first time in a while. So really, really excited uh, for that. We also obviously had a jam-packed weekend in the PLL. A lot of these games came down to the wire and had tons of playoff implications. Uh, So let's hear a word from our sponsor and then throw it uh, to my conversation with LPG contributor Brian Andrews discussing uh, this past weekend in the PLL. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Pro Lacrosse Talk on the Lacrosse Playground Podcast Network. And we're back. Excited to talk uh, about the PLL weekend that was in Albany. Uh, To talk about that, I'm joined by LPG contributor Brian Andrews. Brian wrote the wraparound for those interested in reading more about the weekend um, on LPG's website. He wrote that this past weekend, but let's dive right into it, right? Uh, game one was on Friday. Uh, these games went a little bit later uh, than a lot of us were expecting because of the rain delay. But uh, in game one, the whips ended up uh, defeating the Redwoods 14 to 12 after a three plus hour uh, rain delay. So uh, the rain was wild. This game was pretty wild too. So give me your initial thoughts on, on this uh, Woods whips game. I have a couple of thoughts. One, 
uh, I'm very much in uh, Jordy from Barstool's boat about the Redwoods offense. Typically, mm-hmm. very, like fundamental core, they initiate from ISOs a majority of the time, and it's kind of like slow building, trying to draw a slide style, sure. offense, which can be like boring and kind of traditional to watch. But they looked like they well, they came out firing. Yeah, and they were moving the ball really well. The offense was moving off ball. I actually thought it was really entertaining to watch. And I hope they keep that pace going Mm -hmm. going into the playoffs because it was fun to watch. And I think it's going to help them win games, even though it didn't against chaos, but um, I'm sure everyone's everyone realized this watching the game, but Rambo being back was obviously an incredible boost to the whip snakes offense. And one thing that has been lacking the past couple of weeks that I, that really stood out to me and it usually didn't before Mm -hmm. Classic Rambo dodge. You see it in like every highlight of Rambo. Yeah. Even the 19th championship. His ability to just post a defender up at like five and five or a little higher. You have just infinity options from that location. And any youth coach will tell you that. But he's yeah. a perfect example of that succeeding in any scenario. Mm-hmm. And there was an – Ryan Boyle went under the helmet with him. And he asked him like how he made his decisions about his on-ball defender. Yeah. But being an off-ball defender in that scenario is such a nightmare because you're automatically man down on the backside. And I talk about this a little bit more in the wraparound. You're automatically man down off-ball because you have to hang a slide guy. A slide guy has to stay committed to be ready to go to Rambo if he decides yeah. to take his defenseman. So off-ball, you have you have Zed Williams. Now you have Gutterding, who didn't really show up in this game. But you have, like, infinite weapons. And you have yeah. to keep track of where the two is coming from, where everybody is. And Jay Carlson was just like wide open on the crease because of it. And it, it was such a stark comparison because not that the whips are a one trick pony with this style. They still have the two man game was that in Rambo a lot. Um, they still have Chan and Chuck, which is a threat from two. Like they have other tools, but this specific scenario has been really missing from them for the past couple of weeks. And you can just see how it just opens up a million possibilities for the offense. So of course, everyone's going to agree that Rambo back is a big deal, but it, it, it was like an epiphany why it was such a big deal for their offense and how specifically it was. And I would love to pick defenders brains about how they, you know, handle that situation. Yeah. Like somebody. Yeah, no, it, it, to your point, it wasn't just because they were missing Rambo's points. It's the facilitator portion of his game. That is so pivotal. Um, he ended up speaking of goals though. He did end up with four and two on the day. So not a bad in that category as well. Um, let's throw it to Matt uh, in the interview afterwards, uh, discussing um, his weekend return and and his play uh, against the Woods. Feels good to be back with the boys. Uh, it was hard watching at home on TV without having control of, you know, offensive things. And, you know, part of me felt like I left the t- let the team down for a while, but um, I thought they fought through it over the last couple of weeks. And just happy to be playing lacrosse. It's what I do for a living. It's what I love. So just happy to be back with the boys. Uh, we can play a little bit better, though. You'll be meeting the Redwoods in the playoffs next week. You guys obviously have a deep history with one another. Uh, what are those emotions going to be like going into that game? <laughs> uh, it's always uh, a battle playing with them. We see them every year in playoffs, championship, semifinal. But, um, you know, I haven't even digested this loss yet. I'm pretty pissed off. So uh, we're going to digest it this week and start rolling and going into uh, think about playoffs maybe later this week. All right, so that was Matt discussing uh, his weekend return in Albany. But uh, before moving on to other games, we obviously wanted to talk Woods a little bit, and let's talk Miles Jones. 
for betters out there, there was a player prop uh, for over under goals for miles in this one of one. He absolutely demolished that getting four goals, three assists on the day. So talk about uh, this big game from miles Jones. Miles Jones is well, the Redwoods midfield in general has been like a really interesting case study in that it's been an argument almost every week, or at least someone has brought up every week, like who do you pull? And it pretty much the unanimous decision in the community seems to be that you want to put the poll on Jules because you don't want the attackman running out of the box to have an automatic free invert. Sure. But Miles keeps proving week after week that he is just going to produce and he's going to produce every single possible way an offensive player can. He's a deep threat. He'll dodge and draw a slide and feed. If you don't slide to him, he's going to shoot anyway and he's going to score. So, and he, I, there's too many people, other people, I think they're a little bit of ahead of him, but he's, he's making a great case to be in the finalists category for the MVP this year. I'm interested to see if teams start considering polling him instead of Jules. I don't have all the numbers of who, who put the poll on Jules and how well Jules and miles did versus the poll on miles, but it's a little too late to start experimenting, but it's, it's hard to convince me that it's a safe bet in the playoffs to let miles just run around with the shorty anymore. Yeah. No, I, I wholeheartedly agree, and it'll be really interesting uh, to see what defenses do in the playoffs against this Wood squad. Um, on a, the injury note, we did have a tough one. TD Erlin uh, went down with a pretty significant, we think, knee injury. Um, as recording, we're not sure um, what the seriousness of, of that injury is, but um, they did add, the Woods did add Drew Simino off of the Whips Reserve War Officer, um, so they added a face-off guy, so hopefully that injury isn't as serious uh, as uh, suspicious Expected, but uh, it'll be interesting to see um, what what this uh, Redwood squad does if TD's out because he's been such a, a major part of their success up to this point in the season. With regards to TD's injury, I think there was like a major failure on the officiating in this game, mm-hmm. and because they allowed two major slashing calls to go uncalled mm-hmm. for the Whip Snakes, and and they ended up like injuring Sergio and TD neither of them got called and then later in the game like there I don't remember who who committed it but mm-hmm. Redwoods player similarly slashed someone on the on the whip snakes and a flag came out like immediately yeah I love the fact that the league lets everybody play I think the increased physicality makes it more entertaining to watch because we're not just you know there's not just penalties all the time yeah but when it's called so inconsistently like this, you're giving you're giving teams advantages, and you could make the argument that that extra goal or uh, the lack of extra power plays for the Redwoods are what helped them lose. And sure. I, I don't want officiating to be a point of contention in this league anymore. Sure. Yeah, we'll we'll see um, what what a rematch uh, of these two squads look like. Uh, not too long down the line, right? The, the, the rematch will be next week, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, quarterfinal previews in a second. But uh, before that, let's go to our second game of Friday. Didn't end on Friday, right? We had this one go really, really late into the night, uh, just after 1 a.m. Uh, but after that rain delay, the chaos grabbed uh, a win against the Archers, uh, the second Ian McKay revenge game of the year. They win this one 11-9. Talk about uh, this big win for the chaos. I I think this was a lot of the archers shooting themselves in the foot. Mm-hmm. And 
I, I know it was like a really close game, but it's hard to argue otherwise. I do think the chaos defense has improved a lot in, sure. the, in the later parts of the season, and they deserve a lot of credit, especially Jack Rellette and Johnny Surdick. Um, but when you look at the fact that Blaze only had uh, 12 saves, which is an argument that the defense is doing a little bit better, and that argument will continue in the Redwoods game when we yeah. touch later. Blaze only had to make 12 saves, which which in general is good, but the Archers had a super uncharacteristic 21 total turnovers, which is just really bad. And only four, five, or six of them were. Yeah, I think it was six caused. Yeah. Yeah, only six were caused. And like when the chaos aren't forcing you to turn the ball over and you're losing that game by one goal, which I'm pretty sure all of their losses are one goal at this point, it felt it felt like the Chrome game all over again. It just felt like the offense wasn't really doing it for them. But the, the Archer's defense is always putting them in a spot to win by keeping the game competitive. Sure. So their ability to go far into the playoffs is going to be dependent on whether or not their offense shows up because it's feeling like a 50-50 for them every week. And I want them to go deep because they're a really exciting team to watch. And I also want to see an Archer's Atlas rematch in the playoffs. There we go. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it'll be interesting to see, like you mentioned, that those 12 saves, uh, usually it's what 16 or more for, for a W if, if the, the chaos are going to pull this, uh, a W out. So, um, they did outscore, uh, the archers seven, four in that second half. And obviously, like I said, Ian McKay sniped that two pointer, uh, to win it late for them. So, um, we'll, we'll hear more about, uh, chaos archers in a little bit when we go to that, uh, uh, playoff preview. But before we do, let's talk uh, about, uh, one of the biggest games of the weekend. Saturday's games uh, had the most uh, at stake when it comes to uh, playoff positioning. So in terms of our first game Saturday, uh, we saw a battle for the first overall seed in in the playoffs and and that first round bye against the Water Dogs uh, and the Atlas. This was a fantastic game and the Dogs ended up being on top 10-9. So give me your thoughts about this big victory uh, for a Water Dog squad who who was uh, second to last, right, last year to to this Atlas squad. These were the two worst teams in terms of um of wins and losses last year and now they're the top two so talk about this one a little bit it was definitely a huge twist of fate and i'm a bulls fan so i was really you know i was excited to see them in this spot i'm excited to see them still in the second in the second seed yeah i think really enjoyable to watch i think that one of the most important things which is very obvious is that the water dogs defense has just gotten so good in the latter half of the season and it's so it's so good to see uh, Dylan Ward rise to the occasion after struggling at the beginning of the season mm-hmm. and it's making for some really competitive games and I'm I've I, I was a doubter of them still in the middle of the season when they were getting wins and now 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 I know that they're here to play I think that the water dogs need to solve power play issues I think they just have they just don't do anything on the power plays and it's really hurting their ability to get free goals when they're given opportunities for them mm-hmm. and that's why they're constantly in these tight games um, but if their defense and Dylan Ward in particular can keep playing like this and stave off uh, offenses like the Atlas um, or the Archers, if they're on fire that day, mm-hmm. the dogs have a great argument for, you know, easily walking into the championship. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, Dylan Ward's uh, big performance in cage for, for the dogs. And this one ended up with 17 saves. Let's throw it uh, to the post-game interview to talk about this big W um, and heading into the playoffs as the top seed. 
I think, you know, we did a really, really good job of, of smothering their, their weapons. And, uh, you know, we're, we know that they have a lot of guys who can bring the heat from the outside in the midfield. Um, they've got really crafty attackmen, and I think we just did a really good job of, of limiting what they wanted to do in terms of, of jumping picks or, or getting through picks on certain guys and, 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 not, and crowding guys, making sure that they weren't getting those two, three-step uh, crow hops before uh, getting a shot off. So I think we did a really good job of just, you know, getting them uncomfortable and, and uh, putting the ball on the ground and coming up with balls going the other way. I know you wanted to talk a little bit uh, about this Atlas squad as well in this game. Yeah, I think one thing in particular that they struggled with this game that could have helped them uh, stay in the game is settled defense. They were struggling with a little bit off ball on ball. It just, things fell apart. It seemed like communication was lacking off of some restarts. And that's something that they really need to tie up if they're going to make a push into the playoffs. Whereas uh, on the opposite spectrum, going back to the water dogs defense, a lot of the Atlas goals came off of like scrambles off of rebounding, which, you know, if they're not, if there aren't enough of those and the defense is playing really well, the Atlas isn't going to win. And then they didn't, there's no, there's no way I can criticize a professional defensive unit for only allowing 10 goals and particularly JD Colorado, who's coming into like an impossible scenario and playing phenomenally. Yep. Played really well. But that, that I think somehow, which I can't believe I'm saying is their is their weak point going into the playoffs right now? Sure. No, and it'll be interesting to see uh, what they do with that going forward. And, you know, you mentioned uh, the defensive side of the ball. I wanted to mention a couple guys on the offensive side. Ryan Brown, former member of the Atlas, uh, now is the first ever uh, two-time 20-goal scorer in the PLL. So congrats to, to Ryan. Uh, and then, you know, the guy that really took this one over in the fourth quarter uh, for the Water Dogs was Mikey Schlosser. Mikey Schlosser's three. Uh, Atlas won in the fourth quarter. So he, he was uh, the big difference maker and had some ridiculous goals. Uh, really awesome performance uh, by him to, to seal this victory for the dogs. And, you know, going forward, since they're one and two, we could see a, a rematch of a game like this in the championship. So we'll see what happens. But uh, going on uh, to the second game uh, that had major implications as well, not necessarily for the top seed, uh, but for the last seed in the playoffs. Right. And that was uh, the Cannons versus Chrome uh, matchup ended up Cannons on top 13 to 10 to seal that last um, playoff spot in the first unofficial playoff game uh, of the season in this last week of the regular season. So um, talk about uh, what you saw from the cannons and maybe what, uh, what their chances are going forward. We'll obviously dive into that a little bit um, in, in the preview, obviously of the playoffs, but uh, thoughts on, on this victory for the cannons. To make an analogy from the Redwoods. Mm-hmm. I, I think the interesting opposite case study for those midfield units is is Rabel and Rafis, who are who have also just been menaces for the yeah. other teams to deal with. And teams usually employ the opposite strategy, opposite being they they put the LSM on the on the bigger of the two and and the pure midfielder, not the former attackman. And this is like the counter argument to my point about Miles earlier is that Paul Rabel still manages to produce all year because he clearly just really wants to get to the playoffs. And so do, and so does Rapis. So I, I think that that obviously, obviously Lyle is like the quarterback, but like sure. that additional piece to their offense makes their offense really versatile and really hard to deal with for any defense. And you can see that every time they play the offense, nice uh, segue to the playoffs there. Yeah. But that that's going to, they've, they've scored like 17 goals against the archers. So clearly it's going to be difficult and it's going to be a fun thing to continue to watch. Yeah. 
from the Crumbs perspective, it's really tough that they got Jesse Bernhardt back for the last game of the season. It's hard to, especially when you're not practicing during the week, yep. to build that chemistry back with the defensive. Sure. Unit. Um, I was sad that they didn't just throw Grill in to see how he meshed, but I get it. Um, but I'm really excited. I'm kind of a classic Chrome fan. Mm-hmm. I, I think Jim Wolf is one of the most electric pl- uh, players to watch on the field, and it was really sad to not see him all season. Yeah. Really excited to watch Chrome next year. I think they have the potential to really ramp up their defense. I think Sean Scannoni can be a stud um, in place of Galloway. And I think that the offensive unit, including uh, Heacock, Malloy, and uh, Wolf, is just going to be absolutely electric to watch. And, and you're forgetting arguably my favorite player in the world, uh, Randy Stott. He's yeah. coming back as well. I, I mentioned last week on the pod with Hutton, you know, when it came to uh, that, that gutty trade, uh, he was bashing the the trade from a value standpoint. And like like you, I was hoping to see Nick Rill out there. I think he's a really strong player and can really help that defense going forward. But that attack line uh, on, on the Chrome, it's getting crowded, especially with a guy like Dylan Malloy, right, added late in the season. So um, it'll be really interesting to see not only what they do uh, on the offensive side of the ball. We'll obviously dive into uh, offseason previews and hopes for, for squads later in the offseason. But it'll be interesting to see what they do on the defensive side of the ball, right? Their first round pick didn't play at all this year. JT Giles Harris wasn't on the field. Stud at Duke. You mentioned Sean Scannoni will be replacing uh, John Galloway, uh, who is uh, who announced is retiring along with Joel White. So this Chrome squad is going to look a lot different when it comes uh, to the 2022 season. So, you know, speaking of uh, John Galloway and Joel White, as I mentioned, this was uh, their last game after them. Uh, after they announced that the the two uh, Syracuse alums would be retiring at the end of the season. So this was uh, their last game. And uh, let's throw to their comments afterwards uh, talking about this last game for them and, and hanging up as a unit. Uh, I know this is still very fresh to you guys, but you have played alongside each other for the last 15 years. Uh, when you look back on these last 15 years together, what do you think is going to be the one thing you two remember the most? Too many to count. Um, the preparation throughout the week, watching film together, uh, the hotel room, um, the meals, the Starbucks walks. Too many to count. Yeah, I mean, there's it's uh, everything, you know, and uh, just to be able to to do it. But I mean, for me, looking back on it, um, on how special it was, uh, that's something that obviously I'm going to remember. Um, to be able to do this with my best friend has been an absolute pleasure. Um, and, you know, on the field, all that stuff, we're, we're obviously going to miss that, just, just the competitive athletes in us. But, um, you know, it's all the intangibles that John said. Tonight's hard, but um, it's a little bit easier knowing you're doing it with this guy and, and with the guys in that locker room specifically. Yeah, I mean, when you when you talk about that locker room, I think that's the biggest thing is we come every single weekend with a genuine joy to see each other. And and we just look at it as we can't wait to see each other, um, and then we get to play lacrosse together. So that's just an addition to us being able to hang out on the weekends. Um, and, you know, I think that's kind of like when we talk about the intangibles and things like that in the locker room. When you say culture, uh, I think it's an easy word to describe it, um, but it's really hard to do. And, uh, and you know, that's that's – 
kudos to, to the coaching staff, Sudo from, you know, and then, and then the trickle-down effect to everyone in that locker room. Uh, you know, it's obviously John and I get to do this together and walk out, but I think that the biggest thing for me is the other guys in that locker room that have been doing it just as long as us and, and just as good as us. So I think that's something special to be able to play with, with those guys that all buy into that same mentality. Um, that's the special part. And, and so um, obviously, you know, to be able to, to walk off that field tonight, Obviously not in the, the way we wanted, um, but with John um, and and uh, and now I get to go back into that locker room and give a bunch of hugs and um, and share some time is is uh, is is you know what the what the special piece of this whole thing is and we're uh, we're going to be Chrome fans next summer and, uh, and and we'll be watching the games that's for sure. All right, that was John Galloway and Joel White uh, discussing uh, this season, their career. And uh, again, congrats to both of them on phenomenal careers, not just obviously with the PLL, but we're absolute studs um, in college and as well as well as really, really strong careers uh, in the MLL as well. So consummate professionals and uh, we're going to miss seeing them uh, suited up every week for the Chrome. So, uh, but let's head to the matchups on Sunday. Uh, These were more for seeding as we knew who would be making the playoffs. But in the first game on Sunday, uh, we saw the Woods beat the Chaos 10-9 on a late goal uh, by Ryder Garnsey. It was an awesome, awesome goal. So talk about what you saw uh, in this one uh, for, for both the Woods and Chaos. Yeah, I thought in particular that this game is a way better argument for the improvement of the chaos defense. Uh, Jack Rowlett totally shut down Rob Pinnell, who I think only had one assist on on the game. He had no goals, but um, and Blaze again only had to save like twelve or thirteen shots, which is well below average for yeah. him. And against an offense that is starting to like really click consistently, that's a really good milestone to hit for their defense. And if they can continue that and and carry that into the playoffs and, and force turnovers against the Archers, they have a really good argument for making it past at least the first round. Yeah, it'll be super interesting to see what they do. And, you know, guys like if guys like Chase Frazier uh, are netting five goals in a game, this the squad is peaking at the right time again. You know, check Twitter. It's everywhere that Chris Cloutier goal was absolutely absurd. The, then there were other goals with backhand to backhand to backhand from, from this squad. Uh, the, those bandit boys are, are crushing it for, for coach tower. So it'll be re- really interesting to see uh, if they are peaking at the right time. Uh, let's head to game six, a uh, quick recap, the archers over the whips, 14 to 13 Connor field scores the game winner in front uh, of his college crowd back at Albany. Really exciting ending. It was hilarious. Uh, we heard Ryan Boyle literally right before uh, he scores an OT say, wouldn't it be fitting? Um, and he meant Connor Field scoring um, at the home of the Great Danes uh, where he scored so many goals. So uh, let's go throw it to uh, Connor talking about uh, playing back in Albany and, and scoring this game winner for the Archers. I, you know, I guess to go back to the play, um, you know, coach called, you know, an invert um, with, uh, you know, Tom Dodge from up top or, and then swing it through X just to get the defense moving. And, you know, I was planning on going underneath and, uh, you know, uh, Woman did a great job clearing through and, and, you know, occupying the defense. And, you know, I got lucky and got a step and, uh, you know, it worked out, you know, just doing it here too. Um, Obviously so many memories here. Um, And this one's definitely one of the top ones too. So, um, it's just, you know, it means a lot. And, you know, it's just great to be in front of all these fans again. All right. That was Connor Fields discussing uh, that game winner and playing back in front of the Albany crowd. But let's dive a little bit more into this. Talk about uh, what you saw from this one 
um, from an archer's perspective. It was really fun seeing Field score in his hometown for the game winner, but he also had like a great entire game, and so did their whole, so did the whole archers offense. They were mm-hmm. shooting well. They limited turnovers. Grant Ament in particular had five on Friday and zero today. And another person that deserves a lot of credit is Stephen Kelly. He didn't overwhelmingly win faceoffs, but he held Nardella to like almost exactly 50-50, and he yep. was producing points on his own for his offense, which is something that we don't really see that often for them. And it proved to be very useful because this was not a very defensive game. Both offenses were firing on all cylinders. And in particular, I want to loop it back to the Whips first game where I was talking about Rambo at the lefty five and five. There's another highlight goal where he had the same positioning, but instead he saw that the slide wasn't ready to go. It was caught up somewhere and he decided to dodge and he took it himself. And it just shows the versatility of that position and how much they've been missing it again. Um, and it opens up performance for so many other people. Zed, another four or five goal game. Carlson, another hat trick. Like it just opens up possibilities because it introduces variations into their offense. And it's just, it's, even though they didn't come away with the win this time, it, it shows that they're a force to be reckoned with and uh, they're going to compete with anybody out there and, and potentially outshoot really good offenses. Yeah, absolutely. And if we do want to see uh, a rematch uh, like this, it'll have to be in the championship. Uh, That's when these two squads uh, could potentially uh, meet up again. Well, that wraps up our recap of the final week of the regular season for the PLL. Uh, We'll talk, obviously, uh, about these quarterfinals in Utah next weekend. But let's first hear a word from our sponsor, then we'll get back to it. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Pro Lacrosse Talk on the Lacrosse Playground Podcast Network. All right, welcome back. We're so excited to dive into these quarterfinal matchups. We have three games coming up uh, this weekend, Friday and Saturday in Salt Lake City. Friday's game uh, will be the first, uh, and I mentioned a rematch of last weekend, Chaos Archers. You don't have to wait long. They're the first game on NBCSN at 8.30. Brian, what are your thoughts? Is it going to be a, similar to this past weekend, or what, what do we got? My, my bet is no. My bet is that the archers come out with the chip on their shoulder. Sure. Because they have to be tired of losing these one-game goals with lots of turnovers to teams I, I think they should beat. So I, I'm expecting the archers to come out ready to go on the offensive side of the field. And we already know that they're going to be very settled in on the defensive end. They can already hold them to – like 10 or less goals, the chaos, they know this. So it's very much going to be on the offense. And I think the offense are going to show up for this one. Awesome. Yeah. I I think uh, based off of the longevity of the season, even though uh, the final record of the archers isn't probably what coach Bates and the squad was looking for. I I think they're uh, kind of the more equipped team to to win this one. I think it's going to be another fun one though. You know, if the archers uh, are able to uh, diminish those, turnovers like you said uh, against the chaos that they, as they had uh, this past weekend um, we'll see what happens but I, I would take archers in this one but as always 
if Blaze is hot, which he usually is, and he makes uh, a ton of saves, I could see the uh, chaos pulling this one out. In last year, they peaked at the right time, right, with a losing record heading in uh, and played well. I, I would go archers in this one, but never count a squad with Blaze Reardon uh, out. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see. Uh, one other thing that I think will be interesting to look out for in that matchup in particular is Stephen Kelly versus Max Adler yep. uh, matchup because both have been – Stephen Kelly has been pretty consistent over the course of the season, but Max Adler has been improving. And I think while, while I uniformly don't think that an overwhelming face-off advantage helps any team win on average. Yep. Had your article. Yeah. Shout out to, to Brian's article on face-offs. Check that out on LPG. Um, I do think that that could help at least get the chaos have possessions because traditionally throughout the season, they've had lower shots than their opponents and very few shots on goals. And I think by increasing the number of possessions they have, they're strengthening their argument to score more and you need to outshoot the archers to win. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, what this rematch looks like. And speaking of rematches, we're going to get the third matchup against two squads uh, in Saturday's first game, 2.30 on NBC. It's the Atlas, your Atlas, Brian, against uh, the Cannons. This is the third matchup for these squads this season. Uh, Really close games uh, for both of the previous. Uh, Atlas came out on top uh, 18-17 in the first matchup, 13-12 in the second and that was something that you saw a lot from this Cannon squad. Four of their losses came by only one goal this season. So um, do the Cannons have enough uh, to maybe be on the other side uh, of uh, the pendulum when it came, comes to wins losses against uh, this bull squad? I'm nervous about this one <laughs> because you can only win by one goal so many times in a row before, you know, the coin flips. Uh, but I think, I think the key things that we're going to have to look out for is, uh, how well does Trevor Baptiste do? Uh, is he keeping the ball out of, you know, Lyles and Rabels and Rafuses and everyone else's sticks enough? Yeah. We're also not only getting a rematch for this, but we're getting kind of the rubber match for Rex Road and Lyle. Mm-hmm. Remember the first game, Rex Road kind of held Lyle, I think, to two assists, but no goals. And then the second time, Lyle kind of went off a little bit, not enough to, for them to win. But if Rex Road can hold Lyle off again, that could be the turning point for the Atlas in, entirely. And then a lot of weight will fall on uh, Rabel's and Rafus's shoulders. But I think I have faith that Danny Logan and Craig Chick slash Kyle Pless slash Newbold, depending on which duo they go with, yeah. um, have the ability to guard Rabel sufficiently. So I think, I think those are the two major things to look out for. I don't think... I think we know what we're going to get on the offensive side of the ball for the Atlas and the defensive side of the ball for the Cannons. And, and you know, you mentioned uh, Trevor Baptiste at the stripe uh, for the Atlas. The Cannons made a move uh, before uh, the closing of, of movement uh, as well. And they added um, Brendan Fowler off the pup list. So it'll be interesting to see if he gets time right away. You know, they added so many faceoff guys at the beginning of the season. Fowler was one of them. We haven't really seen him play yet. So it'll be interesting to see um, if Fowler uh, gets a lot of playing time uh, come Saturday against the Bulls. So, uh, and you know, another interesting uh, kind of side note from this one, if uh, the Cannons had lost, right. And, and been the, the odd man out of the playoffs because of the Rabel trade, 
the Atlas would have gotten the first pick overall in next year's draft. So will uh, the the Bulls be spurned twice uh, by by trading Rabel away and losing that first overall pick? Uh, it'll be int- just another uh, intriguing storyline uh, coming out of this one. If I had to go uh, pick right now, uh, I'm going Atlas in this one. Um, they're they're playing really well on both sides of the ball. The Cannon uh, are just a little more volatile. Uh, based on uh, their previous uh, contests. So um, I take bulls in this one, but I'm hoping for a really, really good one. Any final thoughts uh, on this matchup between your squad and the cannons? I agree with you. I, I, I'll take the bulls as well, but if the spread for the Atlas is only minus one and a half, I'd probably pick the cannons to cover. Not because I think it's going to be a one, another one goal game. It's just, I, these games are constantly competitive and, uh, too many games of the Atlas have been won or lost by one goal game. So I don't, I wouldn't feel comfortable. Uh, I wouldn't be confident enough in the Atlas to cover this, Brett. And the uh, last matchup on Saturday night uh, will be round three of the season uh, for Whip Snakes Redwoods. They split the series uh, this season. Obviously, uh, the Woods getting the victory um, in game one. Uh, in dominant fashion, but that was without uh, the likes of Rambo. Uh, Kyle Burnmore wasn't really on on top of his game at that time. And then uh, the whips uh, came out victor- victorious last weekend. So in the rubber match, Bry, who do you have winning this one going to the semis? It's hard to let my personal biases not affect <laughs> my decision here. Yeah. Because, uh, I'm not particularly a whip snakes fan, but I'm not entirely a Redwoods fan either. I want the Redwoods to win more, but mostly also because it would make the playoff picture more interesting. I would love to see a uh, quick tangent. I would love to see archers, bulls round two and, and dogs woods round two. I think that would be the most interesting playoff picture in my, mm-hmm. for me, it would make it a little bit more fresh. Sure. Um, but this game is always competitive. It's always like a one or two goal deciding game. It's so hard to pick. It's hard to pick the over unders for this game. Yeah. It's so close to the 23 and a half mark. We're so used to seeing now. And I think it really just depends on which defensive unit gets the most stops. And Troutner has been on fire. And Burnmore hasn't always been. So I think, I think it's really hard, but I'm, I'm going to pick the Redwoods because I want them to win. Sure. Um, and yeah, I, I agree with, with your points. It'll be uh, a competitive battle uh, in all facets. You know, the, the Woods always get spurned in the playoffs, it seems like, by, by this whip squad. Uh, and I, I think, unfortunately, for, for Coach St. Laurent, I think it happens again, especially uh, when it comes uh, to the turn, looking at the face-off X, right? Um, I think that they'll have a big advantage there. The whips will uh, if TD is out. So um, I'm taking whips in this one, uh, I think, and I'm hoping for a really another competitive battle. Um, but yeah, I go whips uh, in, in that final uh, matchup uh, of the quarterfinals. Um, but yeah, that wraps up uh, another episode. Thanks so much, Brian. We really appreciate uh, you hopping on. Uh, this was the first non-Hutton podcast uh, in PLT history. So appreciate uh, you taking the time to chat about this past weekend uh, and these matchups. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. It was really fun. We will have tons of coverage on PLT and LPG uh, as the playoffs uh, progress. But uh, for Brian, I'm Adam. Uh, thanks again for listening. And as always, 
Don't forget to tune into the next episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk.